Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby, joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Willoughby. Matt, how are you doing this evening? Uh, Lyndon, I am all right. It's been kind of a crazy week. Uh, I have been kind of sick, and I sliced a decent chunk of my thumb off uh, last week uh, while I was cutting up some limes for some drinks. was gnarly. Uh, drinks that I hadn't even, even had yet, so it was... Uh, just a careless stupid mistake and that does has been making playing video games difficult uh being down a oh, left y- thumb and you need your thumbs for that do you you do apparently gotcha need thumbs for many things in life uh-huh. video games being one of them tying shoes is also another one that generally thumbs come in hand right yeah look y'all <laughs> in, when in hand when when he <laughs> look y'all when he says that he sliced off a chunk of his thumb i i don't i don't want anyone to like be of two minds about this it was a chunk like it was like an eighth of an inch of the tip of my thumb. It was um, I, I, I'm actually honestly shocked that it didn't end up being like a, a hospital worthy injury. Now nah, we got it covered. It's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like much, much better now. I mean, it happened literally a week ago today. Um, we're recording on a Sunday, which we don't normally do. We normally do this during the week. But yeah, a week ago today. I offered to cauterize it with a blowtorch. And for some reason, he just he just didn't oh. want to go for that. You so. know, one of our for one of our good friends is a doctor and I called him and jokingly said that. And he was like, yeah. That's a great way to just get that infected and uh, probably lose the thumb. So don't do that. So your problem, pro tip: your, don't cauterize wounds with a blowtorch. Apparently, your your issue there, Matt, is that you're just you're putting too much faith in in the words of your <laughs> medical professional. Like, I mean, you 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 know what your body needs, Matt. I know how, how medical professionals don't know what they're talking about. It's all hearsay. And as long as science you, isn't real, as long as you've done the research, I went on Google and looked it up, and Google said it was okay. Right. There was a forum that I found on the third page of Google that led me to a Reddit page where it was a bunch of people just like me who are talking about how they treated their wounds. One of them said to dip it in cobra venom. So honestly, I don't see why I shouldn't do that. And that was on the that was on the uh, the 50 subscriber YouTube channel that um, that was like monetized for ads. Right. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. exactly. Fun. Yeah. Same people that told people not to get vaccinated. That's, that there, there was there was a link to that, like in the same thread about thumb wounds. I don't know how we got there, but what <laughs> is that? Who I've been are talking about? This cut, are we going to have to cut this part out? I I'm think we're going to have to cut I'm, this I'm part not, out. I'm not, I'm not okay, we're not going to cut it out. Okay, that's fine then. No, uh, we we. So yeah, the. Uh, but long story short, we are that was all satire. In case anyone needs that to be clearly stated, Lynn and I are both. Uh, big believers in both medical science and regular science uh vaccinations are important 
do your part to keep other people safe. Uh, also, don't blowtorch wounds to cauterize them. Just a bad idea. Do not. Yeah. Turns, don't do that. Turns out that's a bad thing to do. So yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, the the scene in Boondock Saints where they use a hot uh, clothes iron on their bullet wounds. Apparently, that's just for cinematic purposes, not real medical advice. Yeah. So in case it actually needed to be said, uh, Boondock Saints is probably not the the best <laughs> film out there um, from which to glean like real life advice. On uh, treating bullet wounds. And, and knowledge of, on, on anything, really. So <laughs> there you go. Also true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so your so your hard luck week obviously started out with the... Um, thumb incident. Yeah, with the, the crazy thumb incident. Yep. Um, that, that definitely put kind of a damper on pool day. But, For uh, sure. But it didn't stop there. I no, mean, it did not. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. You, you've encountered like a laundry list of other ailments that have kind of cropped up since that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, I'm not even 30 yet and my body is already falling apart. So, uh, you know, I think that's just something to look forward to, I guess. But uh, no, it's been fun. Not really. It's been really not a great week. But we had a really great weekend. But we had a great weekend. Uh, for those of you who follow... Fantastic weekend. Yes. For those of you who follow us on Twitter or Instagram, and if you don't, go do that. You can find us at Sacred Realms Pod on Instagram and at Sacred Realms Pod on twi- uh, Twitter. Yeah. So uh, go hit us up in both of those places. You can see what we were doing this weekend. We took a bros trip, uh, Lyndon and I and our brother Jackson, uh, went on down to Austin. It was about a three-hour drive from where we live here in North Texas uh, and saw our friends over at The Greatest Generation uh, who run a Star Trek podcast the uh as they call it the dick and fart the dick and fart jokinist star trek podcast in town they do call it that yeah and uh it was hilarious we had a very good time um they are really hilarious they uh scratched that little nerd itch for us uh when we're looking for someone who can watch episodes of star trek and just absolutely roast them while also appreciating star trek in all of its forms so they uh they were doing their tour the double dumbass tour uh, where they review uh, Star Trek Episode Four, the the movie um, Voyage, Voyage Home, Home yeah. uh, where they go save some whales. Yeah, which the one with the was, whales that was fun. It was a fun one. <laughs> so we went down and had a good time. So uh, we also imbibed quite a lot of whiskey because yesterday uh, was National Whiskey Day. It was, and uh, that was really just very good timing on our part. So uh, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, so Wonder, wonderful weekend in ATX. Um, yeah, we, you know, as just Matt and Jackson and I, we went and got a, got a B and B and hung out. Um, and it was, it was a great time. You need, you need a brother's trip like that every now and again. Absolutely. And it was a good birthday trip to celebrate both you and Jackson who both celebrated their birthdays this May. Uh, you're what? 32 Lyndon? I am 32. Yes. Nice. And Jackson is 23. So he's a baby. He's a, he's a wee lad. Wee lad. So, yeah, no, it was definitely a great way to celebrate the May birthdays. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll take an excuse to go uh, to go have some some fine dining and some uh, delicious whiskeys in Austin um, basically anytime. I don't need much convincing to to do those things. No, that was the easiest sell of all time. I was like, hey, you guys want to do this? Yes, let's do that. And boom, we did. So, yep. so yeah, I had a had an absolutely wonderful weekend. Got to talk a lot about um, the section of game that we're kind of covering in this episode while we were doing that. So that was that was good. Um yeah, I mean that's I mean and then of course we can, we come back home and now we're about to uh be faced with an entire week full of uh moving both 
this house and the apartments of like various other uh, individuals, family, individuals, <laughs> friends of the family. Like a lot of people are moving this week. Um, I know our house is a is a pit right now. It's like I mean, it's just full of moving boxes, which is what happens when you're moving. Like I hate moving. I hate it. So moving much. is literally the worst. There is nothing. There are a few things. I don't want to say nothing. There are a few things I hate more in life than moving. It's just awful. And I've like I've moved out of apartments and stuff before, but I I have never done the entire moving process from one house to another. And yeah, it's just like I'm exhausted just thinking about it. So that's okay. There's light at the end of the tunnel. This should all be done uh, by uh, this time on Friday. Hopefully, fingers crossed. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see how that actually. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, I took Friday off work to come help you. Even with my wounded thumb, I will be around to help out. I do appreciate you very much. Um, you're a, you're a good one that way. You're a good egg, Matt. Yeah, we try. Yeah. So we'll be uh, we'll be taking care of all of that, and yeah, and then, then hopefully the summer will will ratchet itself down into a slightly more chill um, speed for a little while. Yes, would, that would, would be would be nice. Would be really appreciated. <laughs> Uh, what's not going to ratchet down is Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. We actually have one or two um, changes to the uh, seasonal schedule. I'm going to be getting into those in one second. But before I do, let's go ahead and just get the housekeeping out of the way. If you didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly reexamination of The Legend of Zelda, one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks. Every week we play a new section of a Zelda game and then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hottest takes. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, be sure to leave us a review. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated and they have a chance to get a shout-out here on the show. If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod to get access to listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and much more. Of course, an uh, an added benefit of being either a master sword or big Goran sword patron on our Patreon is that your names get read in every episode of this show. Those legendary individuals are Lennon, Leviticus, Melanie, Kolku, Rowan, Joshua, Nick, Hyrule podcasters, keep it going. Pod Dante, Jep, Mary, Brittany, Davey, Haru, the mighty, Derek, Albert, uh, Mark, Andy, Cameron, Tyler, Ben, Daniel, Nick D underscore TV, Travis, Christian, Jonathan, Max Nichols, Garrett, and Drew. We appreciate all of you so much. We could not make this podcast without your generous support. You are the best fans in the world, in any world, in this world. In, in Hyrule, in Termina, you name it. Holodrum, Labrina, Coholent, um, the Great Sea. And any others? I feel like there's. I, I feel like it's most of them. Skyloft. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. That's yeah. It. I think that's. Think that's pretty much all of them. Please. Yeah. Y'all rock. Go us. <laughs> okay. Before we get into the Sacred Realms rundown for this week, we have a few small scheduling changes that we want to go ahead and announce. Um, one is uh, uh, well, let's see. Let me get the graphic pulled up here real quick so I can just give accurate dates while I'm, you know walking through this whole thing Uh so the first and most immediate one is that we are going to do something next week that we have not done since the inception of this show and that is take a week off (laughs) yep um crazy i mean we didn't even really have to do that when sawyer was born because we had like pre-recorded so many things yeah we had pre-recorded so far in advance but you know breath of the wild is just it's 
it is it just takes us a lot more time per week to play through than the game we were playing at that time, which was Link's Awakening. Um, and so, you know, it was a lot harder for us to pre-record as much as uh, as on that occasion. Um, but, yeah, the thing is that, you know, with us with us moving into a new house, getting all that set up, um, it's just going to be I just don't think it's feasible to to give this next chunk of the game the time that it really deserves um, and then to record a good episode about it. And we don't want to shortchange anything here. You know, we want to give everything um, the time and attention that it deserves to be the best version of itself. So, yeah, I think we're going to take next week off. We're going to have a gap week and then we will bounce back the week after for a uh, June 8th episode. Um, and that will be the quest for the dragons. And of course, just a reminder that our season schedule is posted on on our Instagram, uh, you can kind of see what chuck, uh, what chunks of Breath of the Wild we're playing, what days, um, what what uh, days those episodes come out. So that's change number one. We will be taking a week off between episodes nine and ten, uh, and yeah, we'll be back on uh, June eighth for the Quest for the Dragons episode, which I believe is supposed to feature Cody Davies. Um, pretty sure he said that's the one he wanted to do. So. That should be a great time. The other big change, uh, actually two more big changes. Uh, one is that um, if you go onto our Instagram today, you will notice that there is a, re- a slightly revised version of the schedule that accounts for all this. Episode 11 and 12 were previously split up um, into episode 11 being primarily about the Yiga hideout and then episode 12 being primarily Gerudo Village and uh, Vondaboris. And the trouble with that is that I realized after the fact that uh, you actually have to go and do a lot of the Gerudo Village stuff before you can get into the Yiga hideout. So that wasn't going to work. So we've reorganized it so that episode 11 is going to be Gerudo Village and the Yiga hideout. And episode 12 is going to be Vonoboris and then some general desert exploration. Because the fact of the matter is that that entire wastelands and uh, Gerudo section of the map – is uh, massive and there's a lot of stuff to do in there. So I think we can easily get two episodes out of that. Um, Not something that we've done previous to now. We've typically tackled the divine beast foreign area in the same episode as the village where all the, all that stuff happens, but that's okay. I think, uh, you know, you make your rules so you can break them, right, Matt? Absolutely. There is no good rule that has been unbroken. Yep. So, yeah, episodes 11 and 12 are now split between all the desert shenanigans. And the last major change is that episode 13 was previously being billed as exploring the labyrinths, and we will still be doing that. Um, however, when we were thinking about it, we realized that uh, maybe that was – it would be kind of a stretch to get a really good plot situation out of all of that, I think that episode we were always intending to be kind of a tying up loose ends episode as we get into the final act of the game. We figured we would need a week to just talk about some general like what shrines do we still have left to do and yada, yada, yada. And we'll still use that episode for those purposes. But from a plot standpoint, I think we're going to be focusing much more on the unlocked memories. Um, and the plot recap that week uh, is going to mostly pertain to that entire uh, storyline which um by that point every area of the game we will have visited so we'll be able to have the complete picture of links um of links lost memories so yeah episode 13 is now unlocking memories was previously exploring the labyrinths so and we'll still be exploring the labyrinths there and probably some other things yeah but. yeah although i will say now that i with, with this change um I do sort of feel like I probably would have visited at least one of the labyrinths before this point. 
Yeah, like, I probably would have done so as well. Like I've kind of been intentionally not doing that because I was like, oh, we have an episode about that. But yeah, now we don't. So anywho, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But yeah, like I said, this schedule is posted as of right now on our Instagram page. Um, and yeah, this is going to be accurate through the end of the season, which uh, we are now officially over the halfway point of where it's going to be 19 episodes. This is episode nine. So there you go. Hooray crazy stuff matt are you ready to get into some uh, sacred realms rundown here? i am very ready for the sacred realms rundown love it the sacred realms rundown is of course a six-part analysis of what we played this week and the feelings that it made us feel today we're covering breath of the wild chapter nine uh dealing mostly with the happenings in the akala region of hyrule part one is as always the plot recap as read by matt read live tonight actually hey don't be rude sorry I love you. Take it away, Matt. As we leave Goron Village and head east into a new area of Hyrule, we come over the edge of the mountain range to the east and come into the Akala region. This northeastern part of Hyrule is a fairly empty stretch of land that is filled with gorgeous autumnal foliage, high-level enemies, and a towering fortress on the horizon surrounded by flying guardians. As we explore the region heading south towards the tower, we find shrines and stables along the way. And as we continue our exploration, we come across an old friend from Hateno Village, Hudson the Construction Worker. Hudson tells us that he moved up here from Hateno to start a Bolson construction project for a whole new town. The work is slow going and Hudson needs some more help to get it going in earnest. Because we are just generally helpful people, we decide to put in some effort and help out this hardworking, hardy person. We start out with a donation of wood and the next thing Hudson needs is some more muscle power to help him get the area cleared of the boulders. He sets us off to look for Goron help, but with a fun caveat that the new employees have to have a name that ends in Sun. So we head back to Death Mountain to look for some help, and find it in the brothers Pellison and Grayson. They promptly agree to help out and head over to Terrytown. We follow along, and after another donation of wood bundles to the project, Hudson asks for help finding a skilled tailor. The best tailors are found in the Gerudo region, so we promise to take a look around the next time we are find ourselves over there. We continue our general exploration of the region, finding our third great fairy and reviving her powers. We find some more shrines in the region and another ancient tech lab, like the one we found in Hateno. This lab has lost its power as the ancient furnace has gone out. The old proprietor and researcher named Robbie makes us strip down to our underwear to verify that we are the same link from 100 years ago. Once he visually verifies the scars we bear from that final terrible battle, he agrees to let us in on the secret of the functioning of this lab. He tells us that the lab is capable of making weapons and armor like that of the ancient and powerful Sheikah tribe, if we bring ancient materials and rupees to trade with the robot that is in the center of the room. With the enticing offer of new and powerful loot, we head off to find the blue flame that will reignite the furnace. It isn't easy to locate, so we decide to get a higher vantage point and scout the region, which means tackling the guardian-infested area around the now-crumbled Akala Tower. 
The ruined fortress is absolutely swarming with malice energy, bokoblins, moblins, and the most fiercest, the most ferocious of guardian types. The flying guardians patrol the mountainside and blast anything that is of threat with their powerful lasers. Using a handy multi-shot bow and a ton of bomb arrows, we shoot the rotors off the flying mechanical monsters and then use the master sword to destroy them once and for all. The climb up to the tower complete, we slot our Sheikah Slate into the tower and download the map of the massive Akala region. From this vantage point, we see where the blue flame is and head off to collect it and bring it to the ancient tech lab. Once the furnace is lit and the tech lab restored to full functionality, we head inside to take full advantage of some of the high-tech, tasty loot from our new friends. The Akala region may seem on the outside like a desolate place, but with Hudson's help, this area is on its way to housing a new thriving village. We've dedicated our help to his cause, and we guarantee that we will see it through to the end. With Terrytown under construction and the extremely useful robot that can supply us with incredible weapons and armor, we will definitely be seeing more of the Akala region as we progress on our journey to defeat the Calamity. This has been the plot recap as read by Matt. That, of course, takes us into part two, which is our takes, where we talk about this section of the game, how it made us feel. Hey, Matt, you feel like doing some homework? Uh, I don't like doing homework, but I like doing this homework, Lyndon. So, so let's do it. I feel like we really need like a musical intro for this. We section, need something like, a, like, uh, a, like ooh, a homework song. What's the uh, magic? School? We should do the magic school bus theme song there. The Miss Frizzle. Oh, I forgot. I've, I mean, I at one time I knew it, but um, I don't know. We just I mean, it's like homework, homework, homework <laughs> with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I like it. Let's just go with it. Why not? I don't know that I'm going to repeat that ever. (laughs) All right. Since you just read the plot recap and I want to give you a second to (laughs) to chill your 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 wee vocal cords, I will. um, I'll go ahead and run down my worksheet real quick. Uh, So starting point for this week was landing in Goron City after having defeated the Divine Beast Varudania. And our ending point was uh, the Akala Ancient Tech Lab after having lit the uh, blue flame furnace and activated it again. Uh, The route that I took was south from Goron City back to the Foothills Stable, then east to Akala Citadel. I glided from the Akala Citadel down to the southern Akala Stable, um, and then I took the road east from there to Terrytown. I went north from Terrytown to the North Akala Stable and on to the Akala Ancient Tech Lab. My shrine count at the end of this week was uh, a measly 70, and we're going to talk a little bit about why exactly that is. <laughs> I'm, excited. I'm excited for yeah. everybody to hear about it. Yeah, Bloopy Trails is going <laughs> to rock this week. Um, towers activated were uh, uh, only the Akala Tower. And uh, let's see, favorite shrine. That's I, I for think later. that only yeah. leaves one more tower, right, Lyndon? The the Garudo Tower. Two. Oh, that's right. There's the the there, Highlands Tower. There's there's the Wasteland Tower. Wasteland. That's right. And, Wasteland Tower, and, and then the the Garudo Highlands Tower. Tower. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the whole there's like the the mountain range leading to the desert has its own tower, and then the desert has a tower. Yeah. So, yeah, got two more after this one, but uh, yes, everything else is everything else is done. <laughs> Yep. Except for those. All right. What's your what's your, what does your worksheet say, man? So I actually didn't go south. I just went straight east. I went from the uh the sweat challenge uh shrine 
where you have to oh, do all the yeah. climbing. Right, right, right. Uh, I went straight from there and just paraglided over straight east. So I actually entered a Kala at the like northernmost point. Um, and oh, you went around the the back of Death Mountain where yep. the um, the Leviathan skeleton is. Then, yep, right. Yep, I did. So I went I went all the way around there. And it's funny if you actually take that route and you go uh, and you paraglide over from that area. If you're on a high enough ridge, you can gr- you can glide straight to the Zunakai shrine which is the really really tall spire oh. and it's a, it's a it's a blessings shrine because it's right. a, the game is assuming that you started at the bottom and climbed all the way up and uh I didn't have to do that because of how I did this so it's just a free gotcha. just a free shrine yeah that's the that is of course the shrine that's on one of the eyes of the skull yeah, the skull lake, lake. right yep. then the the, uh, the other eye the one at the very bottom is the one that has Kilton Yep, the the monster part, and dealer. he'll yeah he'll sell you stuff for monster parts, which is kind of gross. Yeah, it's nasty. It's like here, it's like here's really a, morbid. Here's here's this moblin liver. Thank you. Yeah. I've been keeping it in my backpack. It's a little gooey. Uh, yeah, it stinks and nasty. <laughs> okay, and they, and they don't taste very nice, does they? Precious. They does not. So okay, so <laughs> so yeah, I went uh, just pretty much straight east from the. Uh, Gorai Tor to Zunakai and just kind of wandered around um my meandered south towards the tower um hit up the shrines on my way um and yeah I basically in the plot recap just told y'all what I did for the for the route um I went I actually did go to the tech lab earlier than that um before I went to Terrytown but it just flowed better in the plot recap to kind of do it the way I did it. But anyway, uh, yeah, just meandered about a bit. I uh, went to the South Akala stable. There are two stables in Akala, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, the South Akala stable and the East Akala stable. Why wouldn't it be the South and the North? Uh, oh, is it? I, I I had named them the South and the North in nope, there's, on my worksheets. South and East. Interesting. Yeah, uh, that I mean, that is, that is kind of interesting. I don't know why they chose to do it that way. Um, and I agree with you. It's interesting that there's two stables in this region. I mm-hmm. personally don't feel like it's a big enough chunk of land to really merit having two stables. No, but, it's really not. Because um, the South stable is kind of like it, – it's – like, honestly, I think that I've actually played this game. I think the first time I ever played Breath of the Wild, I did the entire thing without ever coming to the southern stable or knowing it was there. Yeah, it's kind of in the shadow of the Guardian Fortress. So when like when you're looking at the huge Akala Fortress with the flying guardians, it's hard to like uh, to see that there is a, just a, a dumpy little stable down there. Like uh, and it's also like less than half a mile from the foothill stable. Like, they're really close together. It's kind of weird. Huh. Interesting. Uh, I mean, yeah, I definitely thought that that was very odd. I think that there are other regions that would have benefited a bit more from having two stables than yeah, Akala. But, for sure. But whatever, you know, uh, we did get two, so it, it, it is what it is. It's a strange strange choice. It is, uh, yeah. but it is one that was made. Uh, so, yeah, there's two stables over there. Um, my shrine count is 80. Cool. So, still kicking your butt. Yep. Um. 85 Korok seeds for anybody that cares. Um, and yeah, no, I activated the Akala tower and the Akala ancient tech lab. Um, and that was, that was it Mm -hmm. as far as things, as far as fast travel points activated. Um, but yeah, I think it was, I like Akala aesthetically. 
the autumnal kind of um it reminds me of what i have seen of of like maine and rhode island and like the, oh and like the like fall the, yeah, yeah like the north yeah. eastern part of the united states and how it looks in the fall i've never personally been there i would mm-hmm. really like to go but like it reminds me of what that looks like in pictures and stuff so yeah i the, like that the the red trees of akala are highly distinctive i i think it's really gorgeous scenery i remember that when the game was being marketed and we got that first big trailer that actually had a lot of um a lot of different uh shots of different areas in it you know uh i remember that the red trees were in there and it led people to speculate whether or not this game had a seasonal mechanic um you know because it does look like it's fall perpetually up there right right it does yeah uh which of course ended up not being the case um i think it it seems like the trees of akala are just red year-round so interesting yeah but beautiful um, yeah, I, I, I like Akala. I think there's not a lot going on. Um, it is, uh, so the implication that we get is that it is far less developed from like a human habitation standpoint. Yeah. And I think that that's implied to be mostly because this, this is a region of Hyrule that was hit particularly hard by the calamity. Which you can tell based on just looking at what used what looks like used to be a massive fortress it's the akala citadel it's huge and it's basically like not standing at all anymore yeah it's like Like, a giant helms deep looking ass yeah dude it's awesome and it's got cannons mm -hmm. like it's it's got cannons and it's got uh rusty halberds and rusty shields all over the place i mean this thing looks like it was a fortress that could hold thousands of troops yeah i think the i think we're told in game that the akala citadel is the site of the the let like the last holdouts of the king's army of hyrule um they made their last stand at the akala citadel and were defeated um so yeah i mean yeah it's R- pretty rough r.i.p R- R- to some real ones the knights of hyrule who Seriously. fell defending akala citadel um because but it is so interesting because you know we don't the pieces of architecture that we see littered around Hyrule from prior to the Calamity are mostly small outposts and fortresses and whatnot. And the only huge ones that we still have are Hyrule Castle, which is the final dungeon of the game, basically. And then this one, the Akala Citadel. But I think it's so interesting. Um, I've always felt like the Akala Citadel was a real missed opportunity to, to do something really cool in there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, or, like let us go. In, like, at least put a shrine in there. You know, like yeah. have a have a tunnel leading into like one of the inner chambers, and there's a shrine in there or something. I would like to go into the Citadel, but yeah. I can't. Um, it's a very similar thing to the um, the <sighs> forgot. It's a very similar thing to the Forgotten Temple, as we were talking about last week or the week before, where it's like, this is such a cool environment, and I'm surprised that more wasn't done with it just because of how neat it is and how much real estate it takes up on the map. Of course, the Forgotten Temple uh, does have a shrine, and it does have a goddess statue, so so there's that. You know, it does something. But this one is really just – it it exists purely to be – an awesome bit of set dressing for like the tower, you know? Right. And I guess like maybe the, maybe there's an implication here that the Citadel was built on top of the tower, not knowing that the tower was here. And that once we activated the tower, it just like further destroyed 
the Citadel ruins. So like maybe that's part of it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So here's an interesting uh, thing. One game that we haven't talked about a whole lot this season is the um, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Right. We really haven't talked about that much, have we? Yeah. Well, I mean, what what is there really to say? It doesn't like it doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on this game narratively, um, although I guess it does have a lot more uh, spotlight for characters that we've been talking about, like Daruk and Mifa and all those people. Right. Um, anywho, I, I beat Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. And one of the one of the later missions is this huge defense of a Kala Citadel. Um, oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, you basically start on the bridge, uh, on the bridge that leads to the citadel. It's broken in this game, but you, yes. you start there and you have to, you have to like assault your way up the mountain towards the citadel and then defend it from a bunch of calamity monsters and whatnot. And you actually get to fight through the rooms of the citadel. Well, that sounds like fun in there. And so, yeah, you actually kind of get to see what the inside of it looks like through doing all of that. And, uh, yeah, which makes it really interesting because that, that makes it one of the only places in Age of Calamity where um, the environment that they came up with was completely new just for that game. Mm-hmm. Like all the other battlefields are just non-ruined versions of places that you can go in Breath of the Wild, you know, yeah. and and this one is kind of unique and cool. But uh, to that point, it's pretty it's not like hollow on the inside, but it does have a large network of rooms and you don't see the Sheikah Tower in there. So that can only lead me to believe that you're right. The tower was buried deep in the ground. The citadels built on top of it. And then when we activate the towers at the beginning of the game, it just like blows it up from yeah, the inside it, out. It, it just like <laughs> it just like pops through floor by floor until it pokes out the top of the <laughs> castle. So, yeah, yeah I that think, would be a pretty cool thing to see. Actually, I don't, I don't think the Akala Citadel comes back from that one. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like uh Korg at the end of uh Ragnarok where he's like the damage isn't too bad as long as the foundations are still strong we can rebuild and then uh, Asgard just completely explodes. explodes. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, well never mind. Now those foundations are gone." Yeah, no, that's it. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. God, I love Korg. Man, that movie's amazing. That I movie love is that movie so good. Ah, so oh, jeez. Uh, Taika Waititi. I can't wait for Thor. Uh, Love and Thunder. Thunder. Oh, it's going to be so good. I'm very excited. Have you seen the size of Natalie Portman's arms in that movie? They're like huge. She is jacked as hell, man. She's like a nervoso looking person. I know. I love it. Oh, Oh, it's it's really hot. Man. Yep. Okay. Natalie Portman. (sighs) Real one. Love you. So... Yeah, uh, moving moving on from the Natalie Portman to everything, uh, but uh, just just to put a pin in the whole Citadel situation and how it is a little disappointing. This is one of those structures that you can see from most areas on the map, right? Right, um, and in every other instance where that's the case, there is something pretty interesting to be discovered, right? Like a lot of times it's divine beasts. You know, you can see Va Meadow flying around from mostly anywhere on the map. You want to go check it out? Obviously, it's a dungeon. Um, you know, you can see like the Hebra Mountains uh, from anywhere on the map. You want to go check those out? Cool. You know, uh, when Satori Mountain is glowing at night, you can see that from anywhere on the map. It incentivizes you to go check it out and see what's there. Um, and yeah, the Akala Citadel is visible from most areas on the map and it looks so distinctive. It just makes me wish that there was a, something there. A yeah. little bit more of something interesting to find once you get there. Yep. So, no, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I think th- this game. The more that we talk about it and go through it, there's just a lot of things that are like nine out of ten, but like 
in our opinion, and maybe it's not as easy as we're making it, but like it was just just like do one little one one more thing and you get it to 10 out of 10. Right. It's just like there's it's great and they're great. It's just like it feels like easy layups of missed opportunities. Right. And, and I, I'm, I'm seeing that as kind of a theme with some of these air, like and especially if, in the yeah. last few episodes. Right. And, and, and I'm sure that like I mean, I'm sure like you said, it, there's no way it's just that simple. Right. I'm right. Sure I mean, there's there's definitely got to be more that goes into it. Right. But it's like they take five to seven years on every Zelda game. But also, I need to kind of specify, too, that um, for the purposes of having critical discourse on this show, I, I am nitpicking a bit. Oh, absolutely. Like, no, like we we are we are trying to and not trying to, but we are just being objective about the game. Right. And like we are looking for those things to have discussion about that, like maybe didn't land or could have been better. We did the same thing with Skyward Sword last season, which was, you know, one of my favorite games, one of my favorite Zelda games. And, you know, just looking at it objectively and saying, these are the things that didn't work or could have been better. So that's what we're doing. We're not saying this is bad at all. It's amazing. And like, just, but what could have been better about it Yeah, in our opinion. So let me ask you in your journey to get to the Akala tower, did you sneak your way to the top or did you fight your way to the top? Dude, I always fight my way to the top. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm on normal mode, so I don't okay. have to worry about what you do with regenerating health guardians. <laughs> um, because, God, that sounds miserable. Especially on the flying ones. I hate the flying guardians. I hate the flying guardians. I hate the flying guardians. It seriously made me reconsider my um, my rule of not using ancient arrows because they're just so freaking hard. Like... The shield deflect. Mm -hmm. The reason it works so much, so much better on the guardian stalkers is that it hits them in the eye. But the guard, the flying guardians are moving around too much. It hits them somewhere else, and yeah. it doesn't do as much damage. It takes like seven or eight shield deflects, even on normal mode, to kill a flying guardian. What is your strategy usually for dealing with these guys? Uh, blow up their rotors, drop them to the ground, and hit them with the master sword. Gotcha. Right. And what do you typically use to blow up the rotors? Bomb arrows? Oh, or, bomb arrows. Yeah. So I use a I use a multi-shot bow. Like right now I have a five-shot Korok bow that I was using. Nice. Um, so I was using a five-shot Korok bow with bombs. Um, I could normally, if they were faced the right direction, like if you if they were facing in such a way that two of their rotors were facing me, I could get both of them with one shot. Mm. Um, and then it would be just kind of limping, flying around, and then I'd have to try to get that third one. But drop yeah. them down and then yep. beat them up. See, this is a this is a section of the game that I actually sort of treat as a stealth section a little bit. Um, yeah, I definitely uh, I try not to engage the flying guardians as much as I possibly can. Um, I do that whole thing where I'm only moving whenever they move out of the line of sight. You know, you're kind of paying attention to their movement patterns and then going when it becomes safe. So. Yeah, so – and I think that that's fun, you know, and I think that the nice thing about it is that the game clearly does not prefer for you to do this one way over another way. From a game design standpoint, the people who made it clearly, you know, they they uh, thought to themselves that like you should be just as likely to confront these guardians head on as you should to try and sneak around them or – uh, you know, if you wanted to cook up some potions and just like stamina climb all the way up the back wall of the Citadel, you should be able to do that, too, or whatever. Like Assuming it's not raining, which it did to me a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, this is again, we've talked about this before, but just to reiterate, this is the kind of game where very rarely is it prescribed for you to do something in a particular way. Um, 
it, the the world is really your oyster. So yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that there's a lot of fun ways to tackle this. One thing I did notice while I was climbing before I even got to the guardians, you know, with the bokoblins and the moblins that are around, <clears throat> I like to freeze them. I really wish that I could freeze them and then pick them up and throw them over the edge. I think that would be really oh, fun. Oh yeah, that would be really fun. And uh, I and I did yeah. intentionally do that with a couple people. Obviously, you can't pick them up, but like I'd freeze them and then maneuver myself to where when I hit them, they would fly off the edge. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah. So there is a little puzzle that is at the very top of the Acala Citadel to get into the tower, where it's like there's a bunch of malice goo. Yep. And the tower is poking up through some ruins, and then you've got to hit eyes in specific spots to drop planks that allow you to kind of cross over and do all that. Yep. In uh, in master mode, there's actually a gold bacoblin who's chilling in here that you yeah, have to deal with. Yeah, there's a – the highest level one in normal mode is white, and he's – yeah, there's – I think there's two of them actually on normal. There's at least one. Yeah. So yeah, just a, just a little puzzle to get you into the tower, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's, it's good. I think um, – yeah, I, th- I think we pretty much covered that one. It's good. I think that the one one more little thing, right, could have just made it great. Yeah, exactly. So now that we've talked about the Akala Citadel, let's go ahead and get into probably the the main thing that people find themselves coming back to Akala to take care of throughout the rest of the game. And that is, of course, the Terry Terry Town. Town. Yeah, our boy Hudson. <laughs> Hudson, the world's most awkward conversationalist. Oh, man, he's just really bad at it. He's <laughs> just really bad. You know what I actually think is awesome? If you look at Hudson and then uh, you go back and you look at Ocarina of Time, the Hudson model is just a, is just a modern recreation of the workers from um, Gerudo... Uh, fortress. Yep. They have to free. Yep. Yeah. It, they, it's, they're exactly the same. Also, uh, the same for the guys in Majora's Mask who get captured by the pirates. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they're all all the exact same dude, basically. Yeah. Uh, Hudson, notably like a much more successful human being than either of those people. Uh, because- for sure. He, <laughs> he eventually gets married and, yeah. uh, you know, good on him. Yeah. So the Terrytown side quest is probably i i think we could safely say the premier side quest of this game right like it's the big one that gives you the the most things to do and the most incentive for completing it that's true i th- i think the case could be made for Cass's quest on that as well but um that's yeah, that's a I little more know. disjointed I, yeah i was gonna say i that's that's not exactly yeah. a through line quest it's like you just if you do all the shrines you complete Cass's quest like, i like Cass's quest but i don't think that it can i mean no terry i, th- I think terry town is i was just saying devil's advocate okay okay devil, fair enough, fair enough. I, I think terry town is the premiere so yeah. of course the way that terry town works is that hudson who we met back in hateno village has gone out to this little um island in the middle of this lake and he is trying to build a new town he wants akala to have a a population center. Yep. Uh, uh, exactly like we were just saying uh, at close to the beginning of the show, this region is sparsely populated. Very, very sparsely. Yeah. So basically what you end up doing throughout the rest of the game is Hudson will say, hey, I want to add this thing to the town, but I need this kind of person to do it. Also, I need 10 bundles of wood. And also the person that you find to do this job is contractually obligated to have son as a part of their name. Yep. And so, which is, I think, just it's just a hilarious little piece of writing. Because like of Bolson construction. Like this recurring joke, which crops up <laughs> like for the rest of your interactions with him and even into his wedding ceremony. Like yep. it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty insane. It is hysterical. I love it. Uh so yeah, 
uh, anyway, so the way that it works is that a person can be added to Terrytown. So there's one person from each major area of the map that can be sent to Terrytown. There's a Rito, there's a Goron, there's a two um, Gorons. Well, yeah, they go together. There's a Rito, two Gorons, a Gerudo, and a Zora. Um, a Zora. So yep. Yeah. And then by the end of it, you have a whole town constructed on this little rock. And then each of the people who comes to help build it ends up becoming a vendor in that town selling some specific kind of thing. Yeah. And it's really cool because they sell like the best versions of things that you can find elsewhere in the world. Right. Like uh, the gem, the Goron guy because becomes a gem vendor and you can buy uh, rare gems from him. Diamonds, rubies, sapphires, um, which you can't buy, I don't think, anywhere else. Yeah. And um, also hard to find in the world. So if you're ever like looking for upgrade materials, he'll have those more rare ones. Uh, the Rito guy sells you bundles of bomb arrows, which is awesome. Um, yep. Shock arrows, ice arrows. You can find those most places, but you kind of have to hop around. Another pro tip, once you're done with Terrytown, if you ever break your Hylian shield, there is an NPC in Terrytown after it's been completed uh, who can replace it for you. You need like a diamond or two and a lot of rupees, if I recall correctly. Yeah, but. I've never had to do it, luckily, but I, I know that he is there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how you that's how you can replace that. Um, but yeah, so Terrytown is obviously one of the things that kind of keeps us pretty busy. I only was able to get as far as adding the Goron person. Because Same. I think the second person you have to add is the Gerudo, and we haven't the gone Taylor. over there yet. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, that'll happen pretty soon. But and then once that's done, it'll be pretty quick to complete the whole rest of it. Yeah, especially because we've already been to every other area of the map, right? So it'd be as long as we're not uh, having to go chop down a whole bunch of trees for wood, it would be a <laughs> right, pretty right, pretty quick. Right. I do think that. Uh, this side quest is very interesting because even though we get a lot of good benefits from having done it, um, and of course just the satisfaction of like the gameplay satisfaction of doing it yeah. and the plot satisfaction, you know, you get cutscenes and story beats and stuff and it's a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that in a past Zelda game, this would have been the sort of quest that would have led to us getting a super powerful addition to our inventory of yeah. some kind, you know, like an optional one, right? Like a, uh, I don't know din's fire or something like you don't need it but it's awesome to have yeah yeah or like the big horn sword mm-hmm. yeah. yeah Ooh, that's a better example big yeah. horn sword is a better example or the boomerang and Link's awakening yes i think yeah i mean this is definitely you know almost every zelda game has that sort of quest item trading quest or the main you know side quest of the game whatever that may be um obviously majora's mask is full of those uh but this is the main one for breath of the wild and so in that sense it is a convention that is carried on from past <laughs> zelda games and i appreciate it being present here i absolutely absolutely do as well um it also just is very satisfying to help bring a population center to this uh, not unpopulated area of Hyrule that really has no reason to be unpopulated. It's gorgeous. It has good uh, climate. It's not too hot, not too cold. It's next to Zora's Domain. There's plenty of fresh water. Like it's, It looks like a prime area for colonization and just like nobody's up there doing it. Well, and just from a fictional standpoint, it's nice because you kind of feel like you are helping the world of Hyrule bounce back. Yeah, to know? rebuild and move on. Yeah. from the And like that is really cool and special and powerful and i that's one of the main reasons that i like this quest so much is that it feels like you're really making a difference in the state of hyrule 
outside of you know defeating Ganon. Um, because as much as as much as it's awesome to go clear out tons of enemies, um, every Blood Moon they all come back. So like, yeah, right. <laughs> you're, you're not really making a dent in the safety of the higher of the population of Hyrule by killing a bunch of enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, I think this is a really really good really good quest yeah pro tip there is also a fairy fountain the third one that we've encountered um and it is on a cliff edge that borders the Terrytown lake and uh that fairy i think what did she ask you for a thousand it's a thousand thousand. rupees this time right okay so yeah if you've been doing this game in the order that we have then by this point you should be able to upgrade all of your armor pieces three times yep uh which i have now done for my my fierce deities mask and my ancient armor, which I bought at the tech lab. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, t- speaking of the tech lab, Segway. Segway. <laughs> Yay. Seamless, flawless, so smooth. <laughs> it was a very, very good transition. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the other main feature of the Akala region, which is the Akala Ancient Tech Lab. Matt, would you like to give our listeners a rundown of how exactly this whole thing works? What yeah. So that? once you strip down naked for this hundred year old man, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Robbie, you big perv. Yeah, and his fifty year old wife uh who is in the room as well uh <laughs> and their and their robo son daughter thing oh i was interpreting it as like a thruple situation oh is it okay i think that that makes much more sense yeah they're they're uh <laughs> they're their romantic robotic assist partner <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one. Oh, gross <laughs> do you think he's never mind i'm not going there um <laughs> I, I just I saw I saw a moment where you were trying to decide, is it worth it? Should I go down this road? And then your better angels prevailed, Matt. You, you pulled out of that one. And something tells me like I, I halfway want to know where it was going to go. But also, I think that it's probably for the best. Just for the best. If we never know. Yeah, no, we'll just leave it alone. Um, Yeah. So this weird thruple who wants to see naked once they do, they uh, verify that, yes, those are the scars that you should have. Uh, Don't feel like you have to put your clothes back on, but if you want to, you can. Uh, And then we figure out what the whole dealio is about. Uh, The the lab is no longer functioning because the fire went out just like in Hateno. Uh, But once we get it functioning again, the robot uh, is a wonderful loot vendor who gives us many powerful items. Well, Uh, gives is a strong word. Well, I mean, sells. Yeah, sells. You have to pay several arms and legs to get into Yeah, no, very expensive items. Um, Rupees plus ancient materials, um, lots of ancient materials, uh, can net you very powerful items, such as uh, the Ancient Armor, which uh, has the same defense rating as the Hyrule Knight's Armor, but also has the added benefit of giving you Guardian Damage Resist. Uh, so that is huge, obviously, when we're going to be going into uh, Hyrule Castle, or if you are lucky enough to get this before you tackle the Akala Tower, could be very helpful there as well. Um, so that's awesome. They also sell uh, various types of weapons from short swords to a blade saw, which is like a great sword. I've actually never bought this thing. It looks bonkers. So, like a- I, so I have before. Um, here's here's the deal with a lot of the stuff that Cherry the robot sells. Um it all looks awesome. Like, seriously, it all looks great, and you yes. can't get it anywhere else in the game. This is, like, these are all separate items that do not drop from tests of strength or anything like that. Um, they're, like, supposedly, right, they're, like, upgraded versions of those things you can get at the tests of strength. Or they're, like, just different, but 
like the the implications that they're supposed to be better than yeah um my but they're not my well they they are from a stat standpoint so for instance i'm looking up the ancient blade saw it <laughs> it deals five less damage than a ancient battle axe plus plus but it has 15 more durability ah, so got it. Okay. you know they've all got stuff like that i will say that even with that being the case i don't think think that it's necessarily worth the money and materials that it costs to get a lot of this stuff. Yep. Um, the ancient shield can deflect guardian beams without having to get a perfect parry. And that is neat. But I mean, after two of those, the shield's broken. Yeah. So, and also it costs a giant core plus a whole bunch of other things and like 5,000 rupees. So, you know, use it sparingly. But when it when it works, it's neat, I guess. <laughs> The cool thing about the ancient shield is that in addition to that, it actually has um, it has 80 percent less of a friction value than other shields. And uh, you go a lot faster while you're shield surfing if you care about that. Really? Yeah. The, oh, that's cool. It says the other shields in the game with this mechanic are the shield of the mind's eye and the radiant shield. So radiant shield. It's the one that you get from. Oh, um, isn't that Urbosa's shield? No, yeah. no. It's the Gerudo region shield it's the purple and gold one with the ruby in the center got it yeah um which i actually really like the way that shield i like that shield yeah Yeah. so anyway yeah those are your big surfing shields if you care uh i will say there are a few pieces of inventory at the ancient tech lab that are far and above like useful in ways that that some of the others are not um the first one is going to be the ancient bow and i always keep an ancient bow in my inventory because much like the phrenic bow projectiles from the ancient bow have no drop off yeah no it's super awesome uh i actually literally just this moment went back and bought one because i had a slot in in my inventory open up oh what broke uh one of my royal bows that i've been using for a long time yeah, so this this thing I'm reading right here says, uh, while ancient bows have high power and very high durability, their most notable feature is their immense range. Ancient bows fire arrows in a straight line for quite some distance before they become affected by gravity, making them ideal for hitting far-off targets. However, they also have a slow draw speed, being only 70% of a typical bow. Uh, ancient bows are one of the only two bows to have an altered arrow gravity stat, the other being silver bows. Uh, though the gravity reduction from ancient bows is significantly higher than the latter. Uh, so uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. And of course, it does bear mentioning that all of these items, these ancient items, they are not susceptible to either lightning or to fire. So they're kind of a nice neutral option that you can sort of take with you anywhere. What is the set bonus on the ancient armor, Matt? It's just like guardian resist. So it's uh, it's like a plus 30% guardian resist damage, I think. Okay, gotcha. Here, I'm pulling that up real quick. And the ancient armor actually looks really cool. I think it's one of the neater looking armor sets in the game. Fun fact: in addition to that, if you have the um, if you have the champion amiibo, the uh, Daruk, Mifa, Rivali, um, Urbosa amiibo, and you scan those, it is possible for an alternate helm to drop for the ancient gear set. And that helm is styled to look like the divine beast. For, from that champion yeah, yeah from that champion and i think that's actually kind of cool because the uh the base helm for the ancient armor set looks is dumb it's it's got kind of a cone head sort of thing happening right um link's hair looks really cool when it's in that though it's like got yeah. this crazy like flowy mane yeah look yeah um i'm trying to find a, a specific description of the set bonus for this 
so one thing I also like about the ancient shield specifically is like the way that it the way that it looks. So like it's a it's an oval shaped shield that when you're holding it on your arm, it almost looks like a like a gladiator shield, right? Like look at that. It's it, right. I like yeah. it's it's definitely it it is it is a lot different um aesthetically not just because you know it's a laser shield but also just mm-hmm. in the way that link holds it is very different than the other shields in the game it's so, not like a broad shield like the knight's shield or anything um it's more of a i don't even know what the word what the word i'm looking for is but yeah just just the way that he holds it is is a lot different so the the exact bonus from the ancient armor is as follows um, each piece contributes one third towards guardian resist up. It also provides ancient proficiency, increasing damage with ancient and guardian weapons by 80 percent. Holy crap. When the set is collectively upgraded above double star, this bonus does not apply to the master sword. 80 percent is a massive. That increase. is a huge buff. Increasing damage with ancient and guardian weapons by 80 percent. Jeez, dude. Can you imagine a Guardian plus plus axe with an 80%? Hold on, let me see. I have a Guardian plus plus sword in my inventory. So a Guardian plus plus sword does 40. So you give that an 80% buff. What What is that? That's uh, I'm pulling out the calculator because I don't want to look like an idiot if I say a wrong number. Uh, 40 times 40 times 0.8. So that's, that's what, like a... 30 that's another 32 damage so you, you you're getting 72 damage yeah it's incredible that's nuts that's incredible i think the so this i think really makes this set key to maybe one of the best lionel farming strategies in this game <clears throat> um in which you know after a blood moon all you have to do is go and stock up on tons of uh ancient plus plus weapons at major test of strength str- uh, shrines yep and then all you got to do is equip this set with the guardian weapons guardian weapon bonus and then yeah bob's your uncle you're off to the races with uh <laughs> with some with some lionels uh you, you know you throw a i don't know maybe like a triple attack up potion on top of that and you you, you, you could like feasibly you're gonna like what kill lionels in five hits yeah like you're just man like chewing through some lionel Holy here cow. so yeah there you go good pro tip so that's the benefits that we get from unlocking the akala ancient tech lab of course the way in which we activate the tech lab first we have got to reactivate its blue furnace the same way that we did in hateno um a little bit more of an involved process here because some enemy dodging is required mm-hmm. in hateno it was just like oh hey walk through town with the torch and and also there's like there's a couple different paths you can take to get there from the top of the of the wherever you're at uh the top of the hill yeah and like the the final stretch when you come to the crossroads by the stable going from the stable up to the ancient tech lab if you don't have like a torch that is very very hard like it's those it'll most of your weapons will break yeah you really need a torch for this and it's (sighs) You really need a torch for this. And also it's difficult. I don't know if the game is programmed to rain more here than it is in other places. It feels like it does. I <laughs> other than Zora's Domain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely got my torch doused by rain several times while trying to complete this. Um, had to drop a campfire, sleep, and then wake up and hope the rain was gone. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm willing to bet that there's probably a slightly higher um, instance of rain that's programmed into this whole area. At least while you're trying to do that, it feels like. <laughs> because like after that, after I completed that, it like hasn't rained in Akala hardly at all. And yeah. I'm like mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit mad about it. 
<laughs> well, Matt, is there anything else you want to say generally about the Akala region before we move on into part three? Uh, is part three shrine diving? Yes. Okay. Um, no, not really. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some, got some things to say about shrines. <laughs> And I'm sure it's probably some bloopy trail stuff, right? Yes. That, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, definitely. cool. All right. Well, in that case, let's get into part three, which is shrine diving, where we talk about excellence or lack thereof at, at points in, <laughs> in uh, shrine design in Breath of the Wild. Um, Matt, look, I'm, uh, you know, I know that we feel very similarly about the shrines in the Akala region, of which there aren't actually as many as you would think there would be. Uh, I have a list pulled up here real quick, and it's it's definitely not one of the longest shrine lists of any area in it's the like game. like six or seven. Yeah, uh, and several of those are blessing shrines. Yeah. Like where they you get kind of a gimme spirit orb for doing a thing. Yep. Uh, but Matt, I want you to just go ahead and, and say, for, on behalf of both of us, um, what's the situation with shrines in the Akala region? They suck. They like <laughs> unilaterally, unequivocally suck. Uh, uh, two out of the six shrines that I did in the Akala region. So there's there. I think there are seven total shrines in Akala. One of those being uh, a a dragon shrine where you have to dump a scale. And that is notable. We have not been to that one yet. Right. I uh, took everything in me not not to, to do it, not to go over to the spring of power. I actually accidentally glided into it. Um, I was just kind of fooling around and like was like, oh, there's like a thing down there and like dropped into it. And I was yeah. like, oh, wait, I should not be here right now. And I still like took a minute and like looked around and was like, ah, oh, I love this uh, place. We'll talk. It's so wonderful. I know. I love it so much. <laughs> but there's like two there's there's two things to do in there that are directly related to stuff we're doing in later episodes. There's, yeah. There's the memory. memory I and, saw them. I almost yeah. activated the memory. I was like, why is this glowing? And I was like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. It's like back up. Run uh, away. Anywho, the shrine that's in there is a is a major test of strength anyway yeah. so so uh yeah two out of the six or two out of the seven shrines in this area are shrines that you have to use the cursed motion controls on the switch mm-hmm. and the another two of the shrines so a full was three out of seven so that's i mean almost half almost half of these shrines either suck or are just gimmies so and then two more of them are uh, major or modest test of strength then the then the spring of power is a major test of strength so you're really only left with one shrine mm-hmm. that is like a puzzle of any kind yeah. that doesn't totally suck so uh, so here's the here's the actual rundown there two of the shrines are apparatus shrines which means they require motion controls uh there is a minor test of strength and a modest test of strength shrine. Yeah. There's a major test of strength in the Spring of Power. The uh, let's see, and then the remaining three shrines are all blessings. Yeah. But however, that being said, um, so obviously the blessing that you get from doing the Skull's Eye shrine, you know, whatever. I think that's kind of easy to clear out. Um, the second blessing is from the labyrinth. Which of course those are those are fun, right? We just oh yeah yeah we yeah. just didn't do them, right? But oh like, well, I wasn't counting the labyrinth shrine as part of the Akala region shrine. Like I I consider those different, but I okay I'm tracking now. Yeah. So yes, and the final blessing is the one that you get from doing the into the vortex shrine quest, which is yeah. it's the spiral chunk of land. Yep. And that one actually is decently tough because you have to carry a an orb around the entire um, spiral beach to the very center and put it in the pedestal and uh-huh. there, there are enemies that are attacking you while you're doing that or you could do what I did 
and take it over to the edge of the mountain that you find it on, hit it with stasis, and smack it as much as you possibly can with an iron maul and shoot it halfway across the spiral. Go grab it and do that again. <laughs> you don't have to fight anything. You just stasis launch this thing across oh, the map. Man. But regardless of that, regardless of whether or not you cheesed the <laughs> into the Vortex Shrine Quest, um, you know, I do think that that is one of those areas where it's like, yes, I would consider that a... Uh, I would consider that to be an appropriate challenge. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that gets you uh, one of these blessings where you where you don't actually have to solve a puzzle yeah. within the shrine. Um, so that's fine. I agree with you. I obviously the motion control shrines are some of my least favorite in the game. I think that the two that are here are less obnoxious than others. Yeah, there's no like maze that you have to navigate with a ball. It's just mm-hmm. one of them is like hit this ball but don't hit it too hard or too soft and so, make sure it goes in a straight line right and so my uh, actually the shrine that i picked um for favorite shrine of the week uh was i, I didn't hate it nearly as much as you do um i it was the uh the zay kasho shrine uh as of course the zay kasho apparatus and that is the one where it's got several different phases uh the first puzzle is by far the most irritating where it's got like a rubik's cube looking spike block you have to use the apparatus to move the spikes out of the way and then you can kind of move across yeah um then the middle room actually has this really cool portal test chamber situation going on where it's got two lasers and then a switch and you've got to hit the switch and then blocks on the floor rotate and you have to move past the lasers while the blocks are rotating and blocking them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I did like that part of yeah, it. Yeah. And so the timing there is fun. And then it ends with that whole, um, it's, it ends with that motion control platform. That's got three buckets and you have to tilt. Yeah. It's that, it's that game we all had growing up where the, it drops the little balls and you have to shake it in a such a way that all the balls go into various, um, holes yeah put balls in holes yeah so this is that and it is motion control but because because it 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 requires such like fine movements right nothing as big as like like you do not need to detach your joy con to do this one no i didn't i didn't detach my joy con for this one no yeah and it works pretty well and so i actually put that as my example of shrine excellence this week because this entire dungeon can be completed using the motion controls without having to undock your joy cons and i think that's fine like there's nothing wrong with that you know that's true Uh, it's it's definitely far less obnoxious than the uh navigate the maze with the ball i was just saying that Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, that that was the one that I kind of picked out because I actually did legitimately enjoy it. Which shrine did you pick out as being your so favorite? So, I actually left the Akala region to go find a good shrine. <laughs> I kind of cheated. Um, there was there was one um, over near Rito Village that I did not complete the first time around. Um, then I was over there, and I was looking around on my map, and I had pinned this one with, like, a star stamp just to remind myself that I needed to go do it later. So I was like, you know what? I've been disappointed by the shrines over here, so I'm going to go do that one. And it's the one where it's one of the quest shrines where you have to, like, uh, light a fire on on the... Um, you have to light a fire on the pedestal when the sun is shining through the heart-shaped hole in the rock that Vaughn Meadow stands on. So it's a very specific time of day. It's like right at noon, basically. 
Um, you light a campfire on that pedestal and a shrine pops up behind you. And I really like this one because it's the one where you put bombs in, in, in a cannon and shoot a giant ball out of a cannon to hit a platform. And that was really fun. It's not very hard. It's not very long. Um, there is the first one that you do, and you have to do it twice. The first time you do it is just easy. Then it starts throwing some uh, moving platforms that go in front of it. So you have to time it right. And then you could be done with the shrine at that point. But if you like more of that type of challenge, you go past the monk into a secondary room where not only are there multiple platforms moving across at various different speeds, but also the platform you're trying to hit is also moving. So you have to do a little bit of stasis fun uh, to get things to line up a little bit better so that you can hit that platform with uh, with a bomb. And uh, it's, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I really enjoyed that one. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, good. Uh, that is a good pick. And, you know, there's I, I, I'll give it to you. There's no there's no reason you can't pick a yeah. as long as it's a shrine that you did this week. Then it is. It's fine. Uh, and it is called the Barida Nog Shrine. Gotcha. So I have something I want to mention about shrines specifically that I was really thinking about a lot in this section of the game. And it happened when I came across a minor test of strength shrine. And I get that you can play through Breath of the Wild in any order that you want to. I still feel like most people are not getting into the Akala region early in their playthrough. No. So by the time I think most everyone has gotten here, the minor and major test of, or the minor and modest test of strength shrines are laughably easy. Are, are kind of a joke, yeah. right? And it got me thinking. I think there's a version of the way that combat shrines had been done where they ramp up in difficulty throughout the game where that would have been a little bit more satisfying. I agree. Like, if you if you start out with them all as, like, minor or modest, and then as you continue through the game, it becomes modest and major, and then at the end of the game, it's just they're all major. Like, that would be kind of... And even, even if there was, like, a level past major, like, the final test of strength shrine that you do is, like... And it, it, you're basically fighting like the gold Lionel version of a mm, of a guardian enemy. You know, I just think that it could that could have been a really fun ramp up and in um, a dynamic way of making the shrines work with where you're at in the game. Right, exactly. So it kind of removes all this whole like, well, you know, um, if you if you just so happen to get to this section of the game last, then yeah, I know a lot of these tests of strength are a little easy, but you know, I guess you could have feasibly also gotten here first, in which case it makes more sense. And this just kind of removes a little bit of the guesswork from that whole calculus, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I think that that would have been a, probably a more fun way to handle test of strength shrines. But you know, again, this is, this is a nitpick. Absolutely. I'm I'm picking nits here. (laughs) So, (laughs) Uh, no, I totally agree. I I think just another example of something that's like a nine out of 10, that could have been a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Which, Nine out of ten is still amazing. Still awesome. <laughs> still amazing. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to part four, which is Bloopy Trails, where we talk about things that diverted our attention this week. Um, Matt, do you mind if I go first on this one? I want you to go first so that everyone can hear the pain and anguish that you went through that I got to hear a little bit about over the weekend. All right, so you may remember, uh, f- you know, rewind about 40 minutes to homework, right? You may remember that I'm sitting at about 10 shrines less than Matt is this week. Now, I would have had more time to go and explore more shrines, but I unwisely chose to sunk. Sink? I unwisely chose to sink way more time than was necessary into the damn trial of the sword. Um, 
which is unlocked. You okay? Yeah, I smacked my thumb. Which is unlocked as soon as you get the Master Sword. Uh, the Trial of the Sword is basically Eventide Island on steroids. It's got three levels, an easy, a medium, and a hard. And they each have got something like, what is it? It's like 25 floors? Dude, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the way that it works is that you 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 go back to the Master Sword pedestal, you drop it in the stone, and then you get warped into this underground guardian era ancient chamber. Um, and each floor, I, like I said, I'm pretty sure there's 25 in each of I'm in, looking it up. in each of these. Uh, but each floor has got a different arrangement of enemies and obstacles. And also, you know, some of them have got like hidden items that you can find to make everything easier. Um, but other than that, of course, all of your inventory is removed, and the only way that you get weapons and shields and supplies and whatnot is by defeating enemies that are holding them or by scavenging from crates and barrels and stuff that's in there. Uh, so it is the beginning trials have 12, the middle trials have 16, and the final trials have 23. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, and, and so it's it's intended to be the most challenging combat uh, the most challenging combative section of the entire game. Um, and and it really does find very interesting ways of like shaking up enemy camp arrangements and putting uh, some enemies in areas with other enemies that you don't necessarily have to fight. Like you don't find anywhere else in the game where you're fighting those two sorts of enemies at the same time in the same place. Um, later, uh, so I think the the modest and the major um, the, the level two and three trials of the sword, you know, they start introducing things like weather effects. There will be cold rooms. Mm-hmm. There will be hot rooms. Um, you know, you'll start seeing some really intense enemies, guardians, flying guardians, Lynels, um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I think the, so there's a room, one of the final rooms in the in the major um, trial of the sword is I, I want to say there's like there's a roving band of bomb arrow wielding uh, horseback bacoblins. Yep. And then there's like two, there's like two guardian turrets, a flying guardian, maybe a Lionel. I don't know. There's tons of crap in that room. It's so yeah. hard. <laughs> and, and this, I think will be one area of the game where I do reneg on my not using ancient arrows rule. Oh yeah. Because no, 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 no. it yeah, gives yeah. you ancient arrows and I'm like, I'm not fighting a flying guardian and like three Lionels and all of that sh- other ish yeah exactly i uh i also have abandoned so in trial of the sword i am not sticking to my no consuming food during combat rule as well yeah so it's just it's just a different yeah yeah so i have not gotten past the the easy trials uh so far yep and i just want to say for the record i have beaten all three levels on both normal and master mode before I have beaten all three levels on normal. I have not beaten any of them on master. And I did not beat any of them this time. I was planning on doing it and then I chopped up my thumb. So as I've said before, I am playing this time on master. And for the love of God, I don't know how I ever got past the white Lazolfos room. Dude, in the in, one where there's the easy trials. The one, the one where you're on the like a lake and they're in uh they're in the one of those giant fishbone head uh, 
fortress things that they build. Right. Yeah. My God, those suck. So the way that it works is that you load in, you're at the end of a very long pier, but as soon as you load in, there's a Lazalthos archer who will start to notice you as soon as you've spawned. So you've got to jump off into the water. Um and and get away because as soon as that dude starts blowing his horn, everyone else knows that you're there. So he's easy. He's a blue Lizalfos. But then there are two other Lizalfos who are white or silver. I can't. I forget which. But th- the trouble is that they like it's impossible to take them on one at a time, and they've got so much health, mm-hmm. and you do not have like very high attack stuff to deal with them. And in addition to that, Lizalfos are the worst because. They spit at you, right? Yep. And that does a lot of damage when you don't have any armor on. It is, does a ton of damage, and it's very difficult to like to dodge or to get away from, especially when they're both spitting at you at the same time. So, uh, like I said, I've beaten this before on Master Mode. I don't remember how I did this room before. Um, I do have a recollection of this being, honestly, one of the hardest rooms in any mm-hmm. of the Trial of the Sword versions. Because, like, obviously later in, like, the, in, like, the hardest trial of the sword you you find tougher enemies and more uh, like in in higher densities but you have more stuff like you get better stuff in that in, you even get some armor to deal with yeah, like you even- yeah you get some armor you get some better swords and weapons you do get some ancient arrows you know mm-hmm. in the beginner's trial of the sword you're really you're working with like uh like sticks tra- and bombs yeah traveler's swords and like boko clubs and stuff and yeah it's just so hard and i I am ashamed to say that I probably wasted about five hours of playtime total. Woof. Yeah, no, that was, to, that was rough. That's yeah. rough. So, yeah, that was my big bloopy trail. Um, I followed that bloopy trail way down the path. Well, you know, uh, like Alice <laughs> down the hole, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, geez, not not good. I mean, I'm still going to go back and try and beat it. I For sure. I have resolved myself to try and beat all three levels as a part of this playthrough. And, I mean, you know, if I if I keep just doing it and failing and it doesn't happen then i guess that will be just what it is because this is not a required thing to do to beat the game no for sure i mean all it does is give the master sword a a permanent attack bonus which is nice it's nice but also if you use if you use the master sword on things other than guardians it breaks super quickly so like however that being said it would be really nice to go into hyrule castle with a 75 attack version of the master sword like that'd be pretty swell for sure so anyway, uh, what was your big bloopy trail of the week, Matt? Whoa, my big bloopy trail. Well, um, I did a little bit of the trials of the sword before I cut up my thumb. Uh, didn't complete it. I also died in the Lizalfos room. Um, so that was kind of annoying. I went on a uh, I went on a hunting trip, though, Lyndon. I went and I hunted down tons of uh, Hinox. And some Lynels, because as I am working through upgrading both the Knight's Armor and my Fierce Deity Armor, uh, those require Hinox and Lynel Guts, uh, which awesome. are difficult to get. You basically only get them from like black Hinox and like white Lynels. Um, so I have been spending a lot of time uh, traveling around to various parts of the map, hunting down some high level enemies, which has netted me a lot of good gear. Uh, I've gotten all of my uh, knight's armor to level three, my fierce deity hood to level three. Um, fierce deity boots have only gotten up to level two, and I have it started on the fierce deity uh, chest armor because we have not uh, gone to see our friend Nadra yet. So I need Nadra scales for that. But uh, suffice to say, I will eventually get there. 
Um, so yeah, I did that. I did some more. I, I've been really trying to stay ahead of the shrine hunting game um, just because I know that I don't want to get to the last couple of episodes and have like 50 shrines to find. Right. So sure. Um, I've been pretty intentional, intentional. Wow. About uh, keeping on top of the shrine game so far. Um, but yeah, that was, that was mostly what I did, um, was just a lot of fun hunting expeditions, um, which they are a lot of fun. Like, um, I really love fighting Lionels and Hinoxes. Like, I think they're, they're very satisfying. Um, especially they're, they're a little less satisfying when you figure out that if you have a, like a Royal Claymore. So it's like a 52 damage sword. Plus you're using an attack up, um, an attack up piece of armor, like for your steady mask. And then you put on a plus three attack, um, meal. You can literally just sit there and spin it to win it until, uh, until it dies. And, and most of the time, unless it's a, like a black one, you can kill it before it even stands up. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, that that takes a little bit of the fun out of it, but it's never ever boring fighting a Lionel. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. That, I mean, oh, that's- you know what is one thing I did do this week, um, or did I talk about this last week? I don't remember. Uh, the Coliseum. I did the Coliseum challenge. Oh, you did not talk about this last. Yeah, week. so I did the Coliseum challenge. Um, it's over near the Great Plateau, and uh, I'm kind of surprised I didn't talk about it last week because I think I did it last week. I don't know. We'll have to go listen to the episode and we might need to cut this part out, but I did the Coliseum challenge, which was a lot of fun. I like that, uh, going up around the whole Coliseum, killing the Lionel at the bottom, which is only a blue Lionel in normal mode. So not that bad. And then climbing up and up and up, uh, around the circle. So, uh, go back next time you get a blood moon and check on those enemies again, because at some point when you get further into the game, the, the enemies, the Bokoblins and Moblins and all those guys in there, uh, they start holding elemental weapons. Ooh, that's fun. And that's a great place to farm like thunder swords or flame blades or yeah. whatever. You know? I always try to keep one of each of those elemental weapons on me. It's I do. Fun. I do as well. I prefer the spears because I usually like to reach out and yeah. and get a status effect with those, yeah. especially electric. I just love. Well, oh, yeah, dude. Popping, yep. zapping somebody so they drop all their shit. Yep. It's great. It's awesome. Good bloopy trails, though. Really good bloopy yeah, trails. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm going to try and do Trial of the Sword one or two more times, and then if I can't crack that first one in those two times, then I'm just going to move on and go do a bunch of other stuff and get back I, to it later. I think that's fair. Um, and I also – so to put a pin in this Trial of the Sword thing for now, I also told myself like I typically go into that with like a 30-minute triple attack bonus. Yeah, for sure. Uh, because that transfers as soon as you get in there, as do all of the hearts that you have, including extra hearts. Yep. So so cook yourself up a big old extra heart meal and go in there. Yeah, next time I do that, I'm probably going to give myself a lot of extra bonuses. I, I went in kind of raw on this one. Yeah, so. so did I. I went in with like a four minute because I didn't have a shard of a dragon horn to make a 30 minute one. Yeah. But uh, I will definitely be taking in a 30 minute... I don't know if I would do attack or defense bonus, honestly. Attack. Yeah. Definitely attack. Um, I mean, you usually the, – the the whole trial of the sword system becomes about knowing how to stay away from getting hit. Um, and if you can do yeah. that, then it's – attack is so much more helpful because you can just – you can chew through enemies a lot faster while using less weapons. Yep. That's fair. So. All right, let's move on to Z-Targeting, part five, which is where we lock on to fascinating characters or enemies that we happen to cross. Matt, who was your Z-Targeting pick for the week? And we actually have a few good options this week. I there think. are a couple good options, but uh, I'm going to go with... <sighs> Do you want Hudson? 
Uh, I was going to do, yes, I was going to do Hudson. Yeah, so I'll do uh, Kilton, our nasty, gross buddy who, oh, wow. uh, uh, I just think he's an interesting kind of guy. I think he's an, an interesting vendor. He sells you unique things um, and weird things. Like uh, he sells you monster potion that you can use in meals to make that like, for some reason, they make your meals like do better things, like give you more hearts or mm. um, like there's a, there's a specific guy later in the game who asks for uh, royal, royal recipes. And in order to make any royal recipe, you have to have this monster potion from Kilton or it's like monster spice or something. Interesting. Um, so yeah, he's just like a weird dude who's don't, chilling. Don't forget the masks. And the, yes, the masks are very important because they help you get past enemies if that's what you want to do. Um, so yeah, he's just a weirdo who likes to collect dead monster bits and he lives under literally under a rock like yeah. Gollum. Yeah. No, he does. Yeah. He himself is not a monster. I think he's just a monster enthusiast. Yes. So yeah. Uh, and you can only talk to him at night. Yes. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I actually thought I was sure one of us was going to use uh, was going to go with Robbie. He's just a pervy old man. He's a pervy old. <laughs> he's man. a pervy old man. That's like <laughs> he's a pervy old man who likes rock and roll and married someone fifty years younger than him. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Yeah, kind of right. grosses me out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, I am going to go with Hudson. Uh, not a ton more to say about him. I just think the way that they write dialogue for Hudson in this game is so funny because it's like. It's like talking to the world's most awkward, least conversational person, but he's still like super genial, you know, like and very nice. Yeah, very nice, dude. It's just conversations with him are always like the way that you proceed through the text strings, you know, it's it's always just so awkward. Like, um, I mean, I wish I had a better example of this just off the top of my head, but I don't know. I think I think the dialogue that they write for Hudson is hysterical, especially when he starts talking to his future wife like that's Right. The, yeah. the, oh, man, that's that's good. It's good yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, happy to Hudson's a, Hudson's just a very nice, very built man. And I'm happy he to, is uh, he is swole. I'm happy to help him build a town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, OK, well, with that being said, let's move on into part six, which is our final thoughts. Matt, would you like to wrap this section of the game up as succinctly as you can possibly think to do? Yeah, so we enter another unique region of Hyrule that is stylistically um, very distinguished from other areas of the game. There are some really interesting things to see here from the Akala Citadel to another ancient tech lab and the, uh, the flourishing Terry town, another great fairy fountain. Uh, so there's a lot of things that keep us coming back to this region a lot more than other regions in the game. Like, you know, I don't think we go back to um, the Sheikah village or Kakariko village very much. Um, not nearly as much as Akala. Uh, so one of the most frequently visited uh, sections of the map uh, from this point forward um, with some really good side quests. Not not an excellent area for shrines, unfortunately. Um, not an excellent area for uh, other types of things to do outside of Terrytown and the ancient tech lab. So, you know, I think I think Akala while unique and beautiful and has a couple good things to do is really just kind of one of the more empty regions of the map that doesn't sit with me as much as say central Hyrule or death mountain or Rito village. So, um, I'm excited to revisit it once Terrytown is complete and, um, 
see where we go from there see how we feel about it once we get that side quest uh, all wrapped up so i think we've uh, i think this sets us up for a strong second half of the season yeah i agree i agree all right well that has been the sacred realms rundown we will of course be back in two weeks um, from the release of this episode with another installment of the Sacred Realms Rundown because we are taking a break next week to move. Uh, that will cover, let's see, that'll be chapter 10 of Breath of the Wild, which is going to be our quest for the mystical dragons. So going to be some fun stuff in that one. Going to be kind of moving around the map a lot in that one. Yes, yeah, we're going to be kind of all over the place. Yeah, but it's going to be a great time. Well, Matt, that's another one in the books. I don't, it is. I don't know about you. I'm tired. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun weekend, a long weekend, and we're getting old. I'm damn tired. And, and uh, it's just, what is it about driving that makes you tired? It shouldn't make you tired. It's exhausting. It really is. Um, but no, it's it's been fun. We are nine episodes into our longest season of the show, I think. Um, or maybe second longest, but longest. No, I think it's the longest, longest longest season of the show. We're uh, we're just over the halfway point, and um, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm really excited to keep pushing this train forward as we hit the back half um i think there's just a lot more fun to come bet your ass all right well i'm ready to go to bed yep let's do it i guess i can probably do an outro before i go to bed you should probably do an outro before (laughs) we go to bed it it only seems right (laughs) it seems necessary All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's show and you would like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacred realms pod and you can become and you can become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it's not a problem. Five-star Apple Podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy, Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Realms Pod for updates on the podcast and for behind the scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back Wednesday, June 8th with our thoughts on Breath of the Wild Chapter 10. We'd love for you to play along with us and to share your thoughts on our social channels. Breath of the Wild can, of course, be played on the Wii U or on the Nintendo Switch. In the meantime, may your hearts be full. May your arrows never miss. We'll catch you guys next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel in Game Shops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameShops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences.